What's up, Freedom Church family? We are so glad that you've decided to join us today. Here at Freedom Church, we believe that God's word is crucial to experiencing his true freedom. We pray that you will find hope and that God will speak to you wherever you are through today's message. Come on, let it ring. Let it ring. so happy that you guys are here with me in person and online we have a great word for you guys tonight God has delivered once again and uh, I am so excited about this one uh, if you can join with me Matthew chapter 11 Matthew chapter 11 And I'm going to read, starting from verse 1, Matthew chapter 11. It says this, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the, to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those were, those were fine clothes that are in the king's palace. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one whom it was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he from the days of john the baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it for all the prophets and the law prophesied until john and if you're willing to accept it he is the elijah who's to come whoever has ears let them hear I'm going to preach today under the theme, see and listen. See and listen. Thank you so much, worship team. See and listen. 
see and listen. See and listen. Um, I, I want to bring to your thought process today. Um, today is one of those days that I, I want to make you think about uh, the Bible story that has just been read here in Mark, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 11. There's a, a story um, here about John the Baptist having some doubts, 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 doubts. Not like anyone here has had any doubts, but we've all experienced in having doubts some way or somehow. Now, I, I do want to bring to your attention the things that we see and that we listen or hear. The things that we see and that we hear. What are those things that you are seeing and that you are hearing? What are those things? Uh, uh, for most part, we're able to listen or hear the radio. Am I correct? Amen. We're able to listen to music. We're able to listen to the sound of babies that are crying to tell them, hey, feed me. We're, we're listening to our wives uh, uh, talk about what we didn't do as husbands. And then we hear our husbands talk about what we didn't do as wives. We're hearing our children laughing. We're hearing our children crying. We're, we're hearing all of these things around the world. The other thing that we are hearing right now in our generation today Today is the hearing of all these things that are happening outside of this country. The wars, the, the different types of uh, uh, things that are happening even inside of the country where everything is going up. All you hear is a constant, constant news feed that feeds your heart and your mind to make you believe that God has lost control of every single thing. Everything you hear and everything you see allows you to believe that God is no longer in authority. There is no power in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is no longer in existence. All we have is what we see. We can see clearly that this is what's happening in our generation. And so I wanted to bring to your perspective today because there's a lot of things that we are seeing and hearing that if you allow those things to penetrate your heart deep enough, you will not be able to see what God is really trying to do in your life. Can we agree? Okay. So I, I want to bring to your consideration, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the last chapter, Matthew chapter uh, 10. And he is instructing his disciples very, very carefully on how to reach the other cities by preaching about the kingdom. This is what Jesus is doing. He has gathered a couple of his disciples, 12 of them to be exact, and he is telling them, I want you to go to the cities, not to the Gentiles. Do not go to the Gentiles. I want you to go to Jewish country, and I want you to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is here. I want you to go to the different places, and I want you to learn something. I want you to dust yourself off if there is people that do not allow you inside of their home. I want you to still continue to walk and, and continue to still do what I've called you to do. The other thing is you're not going to take anything with you. 
You're not going to take provision. You're not going to take belts. You're not going to take extra sandals. You're not going to take extra cash in your pocket. You're not going to take with you any provision. What I want you to know is that my word of me sending you is enough for you to receive compensation. He tells them a, 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 a worker of the kingdom is indeed dignified of compensation. But I don't want you to take anything with you. And he also lets them know rejection will always be a part of you preaching the kingdom. So he prepares them and sends them off on their way. Now, I want you to understand that this particular chapter doesn't start off only with Jesus sending out his 12. Remember that last or two weeks ago when I preached about binding and loosing, we talked about John the Baptist. We said that John the Baptist came on the scene with the nation of Israel and he changed certain things by preaching a gospel about kingdom. He said the kingdom is almost here. And he was telling people to do what? Repent. Thank you, Cam. Somebody was listening. Cam. Wow. Okay, so so he tells them to repent. He tells them to repent because it means a change of direction. It means a change of mindset. And he says repent because we learned that if you do not change your mindset, you would not be able to see the kingdom clearly. So he tells them after 400 years of silence of God, he comes on the scene and says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And all of a sudden, he becomes another prophet in the books of the Bible that is preaching about the Messiah. Who's the Messiah? The person that's going to bring full control into and into dominance with the nation of Israel. The Messiah is the person that's going to control and have its own kingdom. The the Messiah is a savior. It's the person that's going to save them from their wicked ways and where they're permanently stationed at. So in their minds, this is years and years of prophecy. People saying the same exact thing. There is someone that is going to come that he he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. There is someone that is coming and when he comes he is going to establish his kingdom. So imagine they've been waiting all this time for the Messiah. They've been waiting all this time for Jesus to come and overthrow any type of kingdom that there is and and, and literally enhance them as a nation and put them back into full dominance. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were earning for the Messiah. They were wanting Jesus to finally come, but the way they wanted him to come. And here, Jesus is coming and he meets John. John, remember, John is in the desert. He, is, he's, he has different clothes on as everyone else. His father is a priest, so he knows about having priestly clothes, but he is not wearing any priestly clothes. He's wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and honey. He's in the desert preaching and professing and saying that the kingdom of heaven is near. This is John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist is different. John the Baptist is preaching something different. And he is sure a hundred percent that the kingdom of heaven is near. He's so sure of it that he's doing crazy things that no one ever has done. He is so sure of it that God has put this in his heart. That God has ordained this moment for John the Baptist to just preach what he's preaching. He's preaching in the desert, and all of a sudden, thousands of people come. And he's preaching, and he's baptizing them in water. He's telling them, you need to repent from your sins. You need to repent. Your, you need to change your mindset. You need to change direction. This is what you need to do. And he's baptizing them in water so they can acknowledge that moving forward, there are a new person. This is John the Baptist. And so he's sure of it, so sure that when Jesus walks, he says, this is the man that we have been waiting for. This right here, this, this man right here that's coming to us, he is the man that we've been waiting for. He is the king. He's the Messiah. I'm not even worthy of untying his, his sandals. I'm not even worthy of being next to him. This is the next king. This is the only king. This is the king that will overthrow all the generations to come and rule with authority. This is Jesus. He's so sure of it. He's so sure of it that he literally is telling people as Jesus is walking, he's saying, I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my heart that this is the man that I've been preaching about. This is the man that I was created for. This is the man that I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to have a conversation with. This is the Messiah. All of a sudden, John the Baptist's situation changes because Jesus, instead of saying, everyone bow down right now, everyone bow down, because I'm, I'm sure I would have. Everyone kneel. I'm the king. Cam is like, yeah, mm -hmm, I'm sure. Jesus says, John, baptize me. Baptize me. John is confused. John doesn't understand. There's something inside of John that, that starts kind of unwavering. He's saying, why are you asking me to baptize you? This don't make no sense. You're the Messiah. You're the one that came to, to establish don, dominance. You're the person that is the king. You're the person that we're supposed to be listening to. What are you talking about? Baptize you. I'm not worthy of baptizing you. Do you not remember who you are? Do you not know who you are? Do you want me to explain? Because it feels like with your request that you don't know. And my first point tonight is what if God's request makes you unsure? What if what you thought he was going to request of you, he does not. And then he requests of you something that you were not expecting that makes you unsure of if he is even speaking. 
John, remember, I want you to understand, John is a miracle from from Elizabeth and Zachariah. He wasn't even supposed to be born, but in the book, in the Bible, he was already written about. Uh, 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 Elizabeth could not have or conceive a child. He was, it was a battle between her, her sterileness and what God already had written in his word. It was God's word versus Elizabeth womb my 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 womb will not produce any children I'm too old I'm sterile I haven't been able to and and meanwhile Isaiah is already written already about John the Baptist there will be someone that will come before the Messiah and prepare the way it doesn't matter if your womb works or not it's already written hello somebody it's not about what you can produce it's what's already written So John the Baptist is now preaching the gospel. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. And we, we must acknowledge John. He's doing crazy things. And he's, he's doing it because he believes that there's someone that's coming that's higher than him. And when he meets him, the request of Jesus is so humble that it looks so common. Jesus' request for John the Baptist looks so common. And if, and if you are watching and looking, you'll probably miss it because it looks common. Who's coming to ask John to baptize them? Who? Uh, oh, uh, let, me, let me explain. The people that felt compelled that they were filled with sin and wanted to change their life. Those are the people that are asking John to baptize. And so John is doing that every day, all day. But when the king of king comes and says, John, baptize me, it doesn't make sense. John says, I'm supposed to be getting baptized by you. What are you talking about? It it, it doesn't make sense. If people see you getting baptized by me, it's not going to make sense. They're not going to believe everything that I've preached about. Because you're putting your authority on the line for something common. Kings do not submit themselves to other people. People submit themselves to kings. So why is Jesus being submersed into water by John the Baptist. Why is he coming and, 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 and coming in a way where it's so common that people could have missed it? They were like, wait a minute, if he's coming to get baptized by John the Baptist, that means he's a common man. That means he is no Messiah. That means he does not have authority. That means that he's not gonna rule the nations. What is going on? So Jesus gets baptized by John. Remember, John started off with repentance, meaning change your mindset. Guess who needed to change their mindset then? 
So he baptizes Jesus and he literally puts himself in a predicament where it doesn't make sense. I am baptizing the creator of heaven and earth. Does that make sense, y'all? Because it doesn't make sense to me. But for Jesus, Jesus already had a plan. It was designed. It was, it was something that he wanted to establish. My kingdom is not about enforcing authority. My authority is already there. I got to come to you as, as if I didn't even have a place to stay. I got to come to you as, I, as, as you can think of as a humble person. I, I can't come up to you as what you thought I was going to come. So he baptizes Jesus. Out of nowhere, the sky opens up, says, wow, this is truly my beloved son. And they separate their ways. Jesus starts building disciples, starts preaching, starts healing. John the Baptist has his own issues. John the Baptist is over here on this other side, and he's still preaching, talking about the Messiah. And all of a sudden, he goes to a king that, that has an earthly realm. Listen up. He, has, he goes to a king that has an earthly realm, and he sees the king doing something that he's not supposed to be doing, and is him taking his brother's wife as if it was his. And John the Baptist looks at him and calls him out and says, Hey, what you're doing is wrong. The king goes, wait a minute. Did, did you baptize in Jesus change your... Uh, Thought mindset of a, what, how you're supposed to talk to a king? Uh, throw him in jail. Immediately, it feels like John the Baptist's ministry has ended. I was doing perfectly fine until I was announcing that Jesus was coming, that his kingdom was coming. As soon as I start dictating what's wrong from right, people throw me in jail, and now I have no other place. Who am I going to preach to now? So he's in jail in Matthew chapter 11. I wanted to give you a recollection of what's happening so you can understand what I'm going to say. He is in jail. Jesus has just finished sending out the 12 on a mission. Jesus is preaching in Galilee and he's healing and doing some amazing things. But now, while John is in prison, the herald of the good news, the messenger written in Isaiah, the person that was prophesied about, the miracle child, the miracle baby, the person that was wearing camel clothes and eating honey and locusts, that guy, that guy, he all of a sudden starts doubting. He starts doubting in his mind, is this truly the Messiah that I've been preaching about this whole entire time. You know why? Because John is looking at the bars that keep him from preaching. John is hearing that Jesus is doing things that were not supposed to be done in a sense of saying, 
he's healing, he's, he's preaching to commoners, he's, he's being friends with sinners, this doesn't add up. I, I thought that he would use his time more wisely to, to speak to the Roman Empire. I, I thought that he was going to get in, in good with the Roman Empire and speak to them and say, hey, Jesus is in town. Y'all need to get down from your high horse and let these people go. What they are expecting is Moses in Egypt. They're expecting Jesus to walk in to the Roman Empire like Moses walked in into Pharaoh's palace and he said, my God said, let my people go. Remember, Moses is identified as a person that liberates the nation of Israel. Here comes the Messiah, the person that's identified with liberating the nation of Israel, but the way he's coming about, it's not the same as Moses. So John is hearing through his own disciples. He's doing some miracles, but he hasn't talked to nobody in the Roman Empire. He, he ain't really coming over here to visit you, John, in prison. What do you mean he's the Messiah? He's supposed to get me out of prison. Why am I here? Why am I in this situation? Why am I behind bars? Should not the king of kings be able to have enough power to take me out of prison? Should it not be? Why am I in this predicament? And the predicament allows John the Baptist to doubt heavy. The same man that was baptizing underwater and touching people and loving on people and, and preaching a word and a gospel that would change people's hearts, he now starts doubting himself and he tells his disciples, come here, um, can you ask a question for me? Can you ask Jesus, is he really the one or is he connected to the one that's actually gonna come? Like, who is he really it is he really the person that i've been preaching about this whole entire time because i do not see it to be honest with you it does not correlate with me the, the prophet said that he would establish his dominance and his kingdom that does not match up to what he is doing he is getting baptized by me he's sitting with the common folks he's healing sinners he's he's all he's doing is hanging out with people that do not matter He's hanging out with people that do not have political or social power at all. The people that he was hanging out with were fishermen, Ada. That, that's what he was hanging out with. It was fishermen. It was tax collectors. It was people that had no say in what the power can look like. He was not talking to people that had authority or power or strength to change anything. He was talking to people that do not matter. But what if your miracle is on the other side of what you think doesn't matter. What if I can introduce to you 
that, that while Jesus is hanging out with common folks, he is advancing the kingdom. What if I was to tell you that he might not be speaking to Pilate or the other people that are in Rome or, or all the other people that, that have authority or Roman soldiers? What if that's not what he came here to do? So John is doubting because John, number one, doesn't know all of the details. John is doubting, number two, because unmet expectations. And when those things start swirling in your head, unmet expectations, and you not knowing all the full details, I'm telling you right now, that doubt monster will come for you. It will come for your mind. It will come for your heart. It will come for everything you got. And until you do not realize that God is sovereign, that he does not have to give you all of the details, that you don't have to see that all of your expectations are meant for him to be doing what he came to be doing in the first place. You're going to miss it. Jesus is healing the sick. And he's hanging around with common people that have no power at all. That left John doubting. I can imagine John inside of the prison cell saying, I feel, I feel like I've wasted my time. I feel like this whole entire thing that I was doing, eating locusts and honey, I could have been eating burgers. <laughs> I feel like living in the wilderness while I could have been living with my dad that he had a cool place because he's a Levite. I feel like I've been wasting my time talking about the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. He ain't even the Messiah. This man asked me to baptize him. He ain't even a true king. He's hanging around with common folks. He should be hanging around with other kings. What is he doing? So John, with all of his doubt, asked his disciples, can you please clarify? Because I'm confused. Is he the one or is he not the one? Is he truly in fact, the person that is the son of God, is he truly God? Is he truly the Messiah? Or, or have I wasted my time? John is asking a legitimate question. He's asking because he is legitimately confused and doubting. He does not know anymore. His condition is making him doubt. His surroundings is making him doubt. What he sees and what he hears is making him doubt. So the disciples come. They go, hey, J-Dog, let me talk to you. Uh, John the Baptist, I think y'all cousins or something. I don't know. However that works out, uh, he he asked me to he asked me to uh, to ask you, are you the one, or or should we wait for somebody else? 
Jesus' response is so amusing to me. Because Jesus is so direct without being direct. He tells John everything that he is doing and doesn't speak to John about anything that he has not done. He does not confirm with John, John, it is me. I just not have had no time to go to the Roman Empire and talk to him, but I am going to talk to him. Trust me. I'm going to put my foot down. John, you can rest assured I'm going to get you out that prison, and you're going to be hanging around with me, and we're going to be chilling. That's not what he tells John. He tells the disciples to tell John, go back and report. The blind can see. The deaf can hear. The lame can walk. And the dead are being raised up. Oh, by the way, blessed are the people that are not offended by me or that do not stumble because of me. I really had to break that down, Brett. Because why would anybody be stumbling because of God? If any reason, God is the reason why we are still standing. He's the rock. As Brina was singing, he's, he's our foundation. So why would Jesus say, blessed are the people that don't stumble because of me? I'm going to tell you. Because Jesus' ministry is offensive. Pastor, what do you mean? I mean it in both sense. I mean that he's offensive in the sense of the way he does things never meets your expectations and you feel like it is offensive and you feel because of his teachings they mostly break you down all the way down to the ground and it literally makes you die to who you are it is offensive offensive to think that the Messiah was going to come and overthrow and do what he said he was going to do. Offensive to have me in this prison. When you said that you have all the power in the world, offensive. Forgot to tell me to forgive my my enemies for offensive is forgot to tell me to humble myself for somebody that doesn't deserve it offensive how can you come to me and tell me that how can you tell me that he's offensive with his teaching he's offensive with the way he does things because it never meets what you thought I realize that now I realized that everything that I put in my mind that I thought that God was going to meet, he's never met it. Offensive. I, when somebody does something to you and they do something that hurts, the first thing you think about is they've offended me. 
That's Jesus and his teaching and the way he does things. He offends. But here's the second reason why I say in both meanings. Because while he's offending you with the way you're doing things or expecting things, he's on the offensive. He's offending you with not meeting your expectations, but he's on offense with the kingdom. Because there is people that are blind that are now seen. There's people that couldn't hear, listen carefully. There's people that couldn't hear that can hear carefully now. And he's pushing back the, the kingdom of darkness. He's on offense right now. The kingdom of darkness was reigning this whole entire time and Jesus came down and he's on the offensive now. Healing over here, liberating over here, preaching over here, being humble over there. He's on the offense while you're still offended. See, Jesus wanted John to understand what side of offense are you on? Are you on the side of offense where you actually see what I'm doing with people that are just like you? Are you noticing that I'm pushing back the kingdom of darkness all the way back where they do not have a chance to be able to, to do anything? Are you seeing that I'm taking territory from this kingdom? Are you, are you noticing that I'm establishing my kingdom in ways that no one else can? Are you noticing that, John? Because if you're offended, you will never see the other side that I am actually on offense. So he tells John, John, blessed are the people that don't get offended because of me. Because everything that I do has a plan. Everything that I do has a point. Everything that I do has a moment. Everything that I do is perfectly designed by me if you are to get offended you will never be able to see the offense so jesus tells them blessed the bible says that the disciples leave and as they're leaving jesus addresses the elephant in the room What's the elephant in the room? That the person that baptized the Messiah, the person that had declared that he was the Messiah, the person that people, thousands of people were following to get baptized, the people that wanted their lives to be transformed through John, those people now were following Jesus. They were all following Jesus now. And guess what? Right now there was a massive elephant in the room that Jesus needed to address, which was... John, although he just asked me that question, let me tell you who John is. Isn't it wonderful that whenever you are in your weakest state, whenever you are in your moment 
that you're having to yourself where you feel like no one is going to be able to get you no one is able going to be able to understand you no one is able uh, is going to be able to comprehend your thoughts or your mindsets that you feel like you're just being drained out you feel like there is no other thing isn't it amazing that God confirms who you are Because John, John, he does, look how beautiful God does it. He doesn't confirm to John who John is. He confirms it to other people following John. He doesn't tell John, baby, listen, chin up. Everything is going to be okay. You were called for this. This is what you were made for. This is, this is what you were created for. I'm telling you right now, the sky's the limit. You're going to be able to see everything that you preached about. You're going to be able to hear about it. Even while you're in jail, you're going to be able to hear all these things. He doesn't say that. He waits until his disciples are gone and then addresses the crowd. If you're constantly trying to address who you are with other people, you're wasting your time. Because God addresses them completely even when you're not in the room. <laughs> Brett, this, this one was for you right here. God addresses people even when you're not in the room. Pastor, give me a Bible story that really like describes that. Easy, David. When his parents reject him and his brothers reject him, God addresses him when he's not even in the room. When all of Jesse's sons are done, Samuel goes, is there no one else? God says, yes, there is. He's just not in the room yet, but it is already written. So he addresses who John is without John being there. And he tells the crowd, what, what did y'all go to see in the desert? What, what were y'all following? Were y'all following a reed that sways from side to side, meaning a person that is just, just goes anywhere and they fall, fold under pressure? That wasn't it, because you know John. He was adamant about what he was preaching. What was it then? Was it the fine clothes that he was wearing? Because you know that boy didn't know how to dress. He ain't had no king's clothing. So you didn't go to see his wardrobe or if he was connected to kings because you know he wasn't. So what was it? Was it a prophet? I know it was a prophet because he's more than a prophet. He says... John is the best human ever. Y'all not going to believe me? Okay. Um, verse 11. Matthew chapter 11. Says, truly I tell you, amongst those born of women, there has not risen, meaning born, anyone greater than John the Baptist. 
What is he saying? Can I simplify more than what I've already can? John the Baptist is the man. There is nobody better or greater than John the Baptist. Don't look for him because it's not Solomon. It ain't David. It ain't Elijah. It ain't Noah. It ain't Jonah. It's no one. My wife, I was telling her this earlier today. I was going over my notes with her since she's with the children. And I was, she said, babe, not even Jonah. I said, babe, pick somebody else. The man disobeyed. <laughs> pick somebody else to be better than, than John the Baptist. Come on, man. No one greater than John the Baptist. Because it was written about John the Baptist, that he was to be the messenger to set the pattern for the change. John the Baptist was going to be the last prophet. John the Baptist was going to be the last prophet talking about change because change was already there. So he tells everybody, it was already written. John the Baptist, don't, 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 don't think about John the Baptist like he, he crazy. Just because he's in prison and he's doubting and having a couple of questions, let me tell you who John the Baptist is. But I, 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 I was so interested while he kept on going. He said, yet... I know that he's the best person until now, yet the least person in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jesus, you're going too profound. I don't like how you're doing this. You're talking about that John the Baptist is the best person ever. And then you're saying that the least person in the kingdom is now the greatest person, more greater than John the Baptist, the least person in the kingdom. Which kingdom are you talking about? Because if you're talking about the kingdom of heaven, the least person in the kingdom of heaven, the least person in the kingdom of heaven, do you know what Jesus was doing? He was distinguishing the law from grace. All the people that died under the law, John the Baptist was the greatest person. But change was coming. And the least person in the kingdom of heaven, when God died and resurrected, was going to be the greatest person, greater person than John the Baptist. Do you know why? Because the experience of the least person in the kingdom of heaven was going to be greater than whatever John experienced. Now, he doesn't finish there. He then says one of the most misused verses ever. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected by violence. And the violent people have been raiding it. Do you know... That when I was growing up, they would tell me that the kingdom of heaven was suffering violence. Meaning the enemies and everything, they were attacking Jesus. And ah. 
and then only the violent will take over. What Jesus was trying to say, or what he actually said, was that when John started preaching, the masses were so much that it looked like an army that was ready to raid a kingdom. And the people were so hungry for what Jesus had to offer that they were coming in thousands. And he said the kingdom is, is under, it looks like it's under violence. And only violent people are raiding it, meaning they're doing everything possible to reach me. They're opening roofs on top of people's houses. They're carrying people. They're walking thousands of feet, even when they're hungry, just to follow me. They're hungry. Since John the Baptist opened his mouth all the way till now, they're hungry. I started to think, why are they so hungry? Why, why are they chasing after Jesus? If John the Baptist is having doubts on whether Jesus is the Messiah or not, why is the multitude so hungry? Why is it saying that the kingdom of heaven is experienced violence like they're being raided? Why? What's going on? What's the difference between them and all of the other people like the Jewish leaders? What is going on? on what is making them so hungry it's in my title they're seeing and listening to the kingdom they are so hungry for the kingdom that they have forgotten about what they used to care about. And I came to tell somebody that here in the word, in the word, if you clearly see, John is not able to see clearly if God or if Jesus is is the one that is bringing the kingdom for real. He's not able to see it. You know why? Because John is seeing the bars and he's hearing about the stories that the disciples are telling him. But look at what Jesus says. The people that do not have eyes. The people that have hearing problems. Are able to understand that this is my kingdom. When Jesus finishes his, his speech about John the Baptist. He says those that have ears hear. Do you understand that in order for you to actually see and hear the kingdom appropriately, you actually have to become blind and deaf to culture? 
Brett, I'm finishing. You actually have to be blind or deaf to your senses. Practical thoughts will not allow you to see the kingdom. You looking at numbers will not be able to allow you to see the kingdom. You having the mindset of how things are supposed to go will not allow you to see and hear the kingdom. It will not. Isn't it funny that John the Baptist is expecting Jesus to do something? And Jesus is doing something. It's not what John expected him to do. Can, can I interest you in you actually believing that God is going to do something on your behalf? And then you start calculating your own way and he doesn't use it at all the way you calculated it was going to be? So, Jesus is healing the sick, healing the blind, healing, healing the deaf. He's raising up the dead people. He's just not talking to anybody with power because he is the power. His expectation, John's expectation is that he will eventually overthrow and take him out of prison. But what if your expectation is smaller than what God is actually doing? Because what God started initially to do put doubt in John's heart. It was like, man, I thought he was going to be coming in horses with fire. He was going to baptize me. You know, we were going to see him overthrow the kingdom here on earth. That's what I expected, and that's not what's happening. What if, what if what you expected is too small for what God is actually doing? You got to be blind and deaf to what actually you're hearing and seeing in the physical and you got to do it in the spiritual because I'm telling you, God is going to tell you I'm doing this and you're going to be like, but how? But I've calculated it. I've, I mean, I've, I've, I've like done the research. I've planned it. I've done this. God is saying, no, 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 no. The kingdom does it a different way than what you've ever expected it. But can I tell you that if you allow the kingdom to fully connect with who you are, you will see that I'm actually doing more than what you've ever expected. This is what eventually I wanted to tell John. John, you're crying or doubting because 
Jesus didn't overthrow the Roman Empire, but he overthrew the kingdom of darkness and he overthrew sin. You're crying still in your prison, talking about he hasn't taken you out. But can I tell you that he's liberated everybody that was in a spiritual prison? Can I tell you that he took back the domain that belonged to him? Can I tell you that while you're still worried about this earthly section of, of, of Israel, God's kingdom is the whole entire world? Can I interest you, John, to so you can understand that your thoughts are too small if I didn't do it your way it was because your way sucked What good does it do for me to overthrow the Roman Empire if I don't overthrow sin and I don't give you the grace enough to earn salvation? What, what good does it do for me? What good does it do for you? So there is a miracle that's on the other side of unmet expectation because if the expectations were in met that means that those expectations were too small and not in the will of God and it's okay it can offend you for a little bit but don't let it don't let it stop you from seeing the offense that he's already created and already done on your behalf They were hungry for the kingdom. They were starving for the kingdom. They wanted more. They wanted more. And it was because he was bringing the word and the word touched their hearts and their hearts connected. And they told someone else and that someone else told someone else and that someone else told someone else. And they were flooding and doing whatever they possibly could to get to God because passion doesn't allow you to waste time when it comes to the kingdom. What are you going to do moving forward, thinking about it, strategically really thinking about what are you going to do? What's my next move? Have I put too much thought into it? Have I put too much of me into it? Because God probably told me to do this, but it didn't make no sense, so I'm probably not going to do it. But if it, even if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't have to to you, and it doesn't have to to everyone else for God to be speaking. What sense did it make John the Baptist baptizing Jesus? If I was there, I would have said, Jesus, real quick, if you're the Messiah, why is he baptizing you? That don't make no sense. That man sinned as well. Look at his wardrobe. But Jesus, the way he operates, the way the kingdom operates is that it doesn't make sense in the physical. That's why if you allow what you hear and what allow what you see in the physical will not allow you to actually see and hear in the spiritual. With kingdom, you have to have a, a different set of ears. You got to shut down every thought process that you can have and say, God, I don't want to hear myself. 
Can we start off with that? I don't want to hear myself. I don't want to hear my thoughts. I don't want to hear what I'm thinking. I don't want to hear what I'm processing. I don't want to hear what I'm actually wanting to do. I don't want to hear that. What I want is to hear your voice. And even if it doesn't make sense, even if it doesn't sound so attractive, even if it doesn't sound like it's a part of what you are doing, I'm okay. I just got to be able to hear you correctly. I got to see not who I am. I got to see who you are. Don't rely on your own strength. Ladies and gentlemen, the kingdom has its own strength. That's why it says, blessed are the weak. Blessed are the thirsty and the hungry. Why do you think it's saying that? Why? Because the kingdom has its own resources. It doesn't need a strength of someone to, to, to strengthen the kingdom. Jesus does not need your strength for the kingdom to be strong. Blessed are the weak. Theirs is the kingdom. The people that solely rely on who God is. What are you seeing? What are you hearing that is not allowing you to fall into place with the kingdom? The kingdom that is instructing you to do what is telling you to do. If you, I, I wrote something down and I want, I, I want to make sure that I, I don't, I don't forget it. John, in prison, not knowing if he's gonna get out, not knowing if this is the end for him, Jesus replies and tells John, I want you to know that although an earthly kingdom has you in prison, you are free in the kingdom of heaven. Although you're seeing bars right now, and although you're seeing soldiers, I want you to know and understand that you belong to the kingdom of heaven and nothing that these people can do to you nothing that these people can tell you can affect who you are and who you belong to so I don't know what's your next move I don't know what you're thinking what's your next project I don't know what's gonna be your next thought process what are you going to do next what what God is talking to you in your heart I know what he's telling me I know what he's speaking to me but what is he telling you individually what is he speaking to you are you listening to Netflix and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all these things more than you're listening to the Word of God? Because if you are, you're not going to be able to listen carefully. He'll tell you to give to people that you don't want to give. He'll tell you 
to forgive people you don't want to forgive. He'll tell you to love on somebody you don't want to love. He'll tell you to walk here when you don't want to walk there. That's how God speaks. That's how God talks. He'll tell you to do something so radical it goes completely against what you thought and what you've processed. But if you listen to yourself, you'll miss it. Don't be offended. Be on the offense. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Thank you so much for your word, for it is life in our hearts. We love you. We honor you. We are so thankful for you and everything that you are doing. So grateful for you. And as we head out of here, I ask you to bless every heart and every mind. Bless the people that are watching online. Bless the people in this place. Allow them to see and to listen to what you are doing. To who you are. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. If you would like to learn more about who we are and what we believe at Freedom Church, then make sure you visit our website at freedomchurchfamily.com. You will find it easy to invest in this ministry as well as be a part of our upcoming events. Thank you so much for listening and remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this one. We pray you accept this gift of freedom and share it with someone you know.